The word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 through 50. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus who cries out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is not the first to cry out so. He is quoting Psalm 22, directing us to the psalm which we chanted before, that profound prophecy of his death and his resurrection. But the psalmist wasn't the first either. Sinful man has been saying it, accusing God to one degree or another since Genesis chapter 3. It was there when asked by God, Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? That Adam replied, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the loosest of paraphrases, My God, my God, why did you fail me so? Of course, it was not God who forsook Adam, but Adam who forsook God. The Lord responded to this ridiculous blame shifting by promising that the Savior would come. The seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. No, God did not forsake Adam and Eve. You can hear echoes of the cry in the Israelites time and time again in the time of Exodus. As they reach the Red Sea, knowing that Pharaoh's armies are in pursuit, they say to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? So soon after the Passover, they accuse God of abandoning them. And God responds by opening the Red Sea, leading them through on dry ground and drowning the Egyptians. Or there is Numbers 21, where the people speak against God and Moses, saying, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Again, a loose paraphrase. My God, why have you forsaken us and left us without food or water, except, you know, for the food and the water that you provide? Again, it is not the Lord who has abandoned them, but they who abandon the Lord. The Lord responds again, first with fiery serpents that bring death with their fangs, 
But when the people cry out for his help, they find that he has not forsaken them. He has Moses lift up a bronze serpent on a pole, and all who are bitten by a fiery serpent, but look at the bronze serpent, live. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. When Jesus is lifted up on the cross, he couldn't be more forsaken. For starters, of his closest followers, in the past few hours, one has sold him for 30 pieces of silver, one has publicly and profanely denied him three times, and the rest have run away. A coalition of Jews and Gentiles together have entertained all sorts of accusations against him, determined him to be innocent of all charges and all sins, and then say he deserves to die because he made himself the Son of God. Except that he is the Son of God, and he's innocent and holy. One of the horrors of Good Friday is that sinners are not content to say, God has abandoned us because we've run away from him. No, God has persisted, mercifully persisted in remaining faithful to his people, this time even becoming flesh and dwelling among them, which is a bother to the sinful nature if you're trying to claim that God doesn't care. Calvary takes things absurdly a step farther. If they can't get God to forsake them, then they'll see to it that God is dead and gone. It really is startling that Jesus doesn't cry out from the cross, O man, O man, why have you forsaken God? Why, O man, have you forsaken me? Lest we think for a moment that this is a problem of only long ago, Consider, to mankind so fixated on works and self-righteousness, the Lord faithfully restored the proclamation of the pure gospel at the time of the Reformation, the good news that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Since then, popular religion has moved from God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, to God is distant, and then to God is dead. And now in our present day, it's gone to God is me, and I am God, for I decide what is true. Unable to reenact Good Friday to get rid of God and his persistent mercy, they pretend that they are God-forsaken and fill the position themselves. If they do not forsake their gods, they will die with them. As for you, lest you think that you are better metal, you are made of the same sinful flesh. Your sins may not have the honest vehemence and violence of those who shake their fists at the dying Savior, but they still convey the thinking that you'd prefer God to look the other way or be your pet at your beck and call, or come around to your way of sinning. How dare you? 
And yet it is Jesus who hangs on the cross with a cry of dereliction, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? You follow Jesus' path from the start of Epiphany when he was baptized in the Jordan. Remember that John was baptizing sinners for repentance and forgiveness and that Jesus had no sins in need of forgiving. But he got in line to be baptized to identify with them to take their place. You heard at the start of Lent that just after Jesus was baptized, he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness for 40 days. Having taken the place of sinners... He went into the wilderness and defied the devil far better than Israel ever had. Now, on the cross, he is still the proxy for sinners, the scapegoat who bears their sins. In fact, you hear the same temptation spoken by the devil in the wilderness, now hurled at Jesus by the chief priests. Instead of, if you are the Son of God, feed yourself, it's, if you are the Son of God, save yourself. Instead of, throw yourself off the temple, it is, come down from the cross. Instead of, God's angels will deliver you, it's, let God deliver him. But, resolutely, the Son resists the mockery and the taunts and the temptation And he goes about his father's will. Except he doesn't say, My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He says, My God, my God. Why? Because on the cross, from the father's vantage point, he is not the son. He is the sinner, bearing all sin. He is you. As in, for our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As in, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As in, at the cross, Jesus is not just forsaken by man because he is God. Far, far worse, the far greater abandonment is that he is forsaken by God because he is a substitute for man. Forsaken by God, cut off from the Father and all of his gifts, Jesus suffers hell. Why? So you don't have to. He's borne your sins to the cross and suffers there in your place. 
wages of sin is death. So he pays them with his blood. You are redeemed. God's wrath for sin must be poured out, so Jesus drinks that cup of sorrows to its dregs. Having offered his body and shed his blood on the cross, he offers you a much better meal and a much better cup at a much better feast. God must be just and act against the sinner. So Jesus steps in to be the sinner whom the Father acts against. Because he is fully man, he can save you. Because he is fully God, he can save all of you. He dies the second death, the hellish forsakenness of God, so that the only death that waits for you is a sleep from which you awaken at the resurrection. The one who was forsaken on the cross, who suffered death and hell for you, he is already restored and praying to his Father before he dies, committing his spirit to him before he breathes his last. He is laid in a tomb before sunset, and you know with great joy that that tomb will be emptied on the third day. Risen again, he says to you, no one is able to snatch you out of my hand. He says to you, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the hope. That's your hope. Rejoice to repent and give thanks. The Son was forsaken so that you will never be. You are redeemed. In the name of Jesus, amen.